Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. I ask you to remain standing, if you will. I know ordinarily we're seated at that point, but while we're standing, let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 20. We're going to pick up uh, where we left last week, and, and we were so blessed by the message that the Lord gave Hunter to give to us, and we're blessed by that word from Luke 19. We move today into Luke chapter 20. Thank you, uh, Jim. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, choir and companies for leading us uh, in this portion of our worship. We continue in worship as we work, uh, open the Word of God. And I want to read this morning a little longer text uh, to us uh, dealing with this matter of of authority, as Hunter mentioned earlier, but Luke chapter 20, we're going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 20, Luke chapter, or rather 19, Luke chapter 20, verses 1 through 19, I'm reading from the New King James translation. Now it happened on one of those days, as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel, that the chief priest and the scribes, together with the elders, confronted him. And spoke to him, saying, Tell us, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who is he who gave you this authority? But he answered and said to them, I also will ask you one thing, and answer me. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say for men, all the people will stone us, for they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered that they did not know where it was from. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Then he began to tell them, tell the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard, leased to vine dressers, and went into a far country for a long time. Now, at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that they might give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the vine dressers beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent another servant, and they beat him and also treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And again, he he sent a third, and they wounded him also and cast him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Possibly they will respect him when they see him. But when the vine dressers saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those vine dressers. And give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, Certainly not. Then he looked at them and said, What then is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Whoever falls on that stone will be broken, but on him but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. And the chief priest and the scribes that very hour sought to lay hands on him, but they feared the people, for they knew 
he had spoken this parable against them. And from this passage today, I'll bring a message entitled, Who's in Charge? Jesus is. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity and privilege of worship. Thank you for your presence here among us today, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you continue to make your presence known as we've opened the Word of God, as we've read the Word of God together. We look to you, Lord, now as, as our teacher, Holy Spirit, indwelling us, Lord, to teach us the Word of God. And as Jim has prayed, we do agree in praying uh, for your Spirit to move and, and to illumine our hearts today through the power of the Word of God and, uh, and quicken your Word today in our midst. Uh, speak to those who know you, uh, Lord, and each of us who have a relationship with you, Father, that we would understand a new and a fresh way what it means to be under your authority. Lord, uh, thank you, Lord, for those who are here without Christ, and we pray you'll speak to them today and help them to recognize what it means as unbelievers to submit to the Lordship of Christ. And we pray you'll be glorified in every heart and life and in the outcome of this service today. Touch our hearts and change them to your glory. We love you, praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Governor Herter was running for re-election in Massachusetts. Uh, after a busy day of, of campaigning and basically going hard and going without food all day long, he showed up later in the evening at a, at a church barbecue. Uh, and uh, he got in line to receive his barbecue chicken. And as he was going through the line, he came to a lady serving the chicken, and she put one piece of chicken on his plate. But he just thought to himself, got to have more than that. So he said, may I have another piece of chicken, please? To which she said, I'm supposed to give just one piece of chicken to every person. He said, ma'am, I am starving to death. Could I just have one more piece? I am so hungry. She said, one piece of chicken per person. Well, he typically didn't like to throw his authority around, and, but he thought, I'm just going to pull the authority card. So he said, ma'am, do you realize who I am? I'm the governor of this state. To which she said, do you realize who I am? I'm the person giving out the chicken. Next. <laughs> well, because people are sinners, we tend to naturally rebel against authority. That is our natural bent. Uh, we want to be, in a sense, captain of our own soul and master of our own fate. The other extreme with authority, on the other hand, is for people who have authority to abuse authority and to abuse people in the process. And really, we see both of these happening throughout the ministry of Jesus. And even further, we see it all the way back throughout the nation of Israel. And, and even from that point forward, we see it throughout history, do we not? We see it happening on the news, don't we? Uh, and, and people that just simply don't want authority, and yet those who also abuse authority. The Lord Jesus uh, Christ, again, following his resurrection, and just before he gave the church uh, our great commission, or really as a part of our great commission there in Matthew 28, 18, said, uh, the Bible says there, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The Lord Jesus has 
all authority. He always has and he always will. The word there for authority, the Greek word is exousia. It's the, it's the word uh, used here in Luke 20 verse 2. The, 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 and it has the idea of right or privilege, all the rights and the, the privileges out of the very person of God. And, and because Jesus is God, uh, he has all authority and, and, and he has allowed us as his children, uh, he sends us out in his authority, but he also sends us out with his authority. And again, throughout the ministry of Jesus, he declared and demonstrated that authority as God. He did that through his teaching, as we're going to even see in this incident. He did that through his uh, miracles. He did that through his actions. Um, he showed the authority and demonstrated the authority to forgive sin. He demonstrated authority over Satan and his demons. Demonstrated authority over nature. Uh, he demonstrated authority to give eternal salvation, the authority to judge, the authority over death and life. Uh, certainly among those he raised from the dead, and even, even after his death, by raising himself, if you will, from the grave. So the answer to the question from this passage that we're going to see, which is a question in a sense is asked to the Lord Jesus, is who's in charge? And the answer is Jesus is. Again, we've seen that many times, uh, really, in the Gospel of Luke. And this passage near the end of his ministry, uh, and just a few days from the cross, certainly demonstrates that as well. So I want you to see several things with me today, both concerning Jesus and his authority, and also uh, people and their response to that authority. First of all, notice in the very first part of verse 1, Jesus demonstrates his authority. And now I want you to understand it's, it's Wednesday. We've seen, as, as we saw uh, in last week's message and the one prior, as we saw Jesus entering into Jerusalem and what we refer to now as the triumphal entry. And we saw in last week's message Jesus entering the temple and cleansing the temple. He certainly demonstrated authority in, in each of those things, along with receiving the worship as Lord and God. He demonstrated, as we said, his authority as high priest, as Hunter uh, shared with us and preached to us last Sunday, again, by cleansing the temple of those money changers and merchants so that the Gentiles would be able to worship, the nations would be able to worship as God had, had instructed and had intended in his word. But now we've come to Wednesday. And in the, on Wednesday and Thursday, Jesus in the, in the temple here, Jesus is exercising and demonstrating authority by teaching the word of God, by preaching the gospel, the Bible says. And again, when we speak of the gospel, we know he's preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, the good news of God's rule being established in the hearts and lives of individuals and people. Yes, one day to culminate in a literal kingdom, but at this point, in the hearts and lives of people, which would occur and still does occur the moment people repent of their sin and place their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus is in these days preaching the gospel of the kingdom and, of course, teaching the Word of God and how people can have a right relationship with God and what God has done to make that possible. And again, people heard him gladly. People were coming as, as they were understood. As we saw back in Matthew 7, it says, When Jesus finished these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, 
for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribe. So people understood because Jesus spoke the word of God, because Jesus was, according to John, the word of God, the living word of God. He was preaching and teaching with authority and power. He was teaching in this temple as if, though, he had the, the right to do so. You know why? Because he did. This was his temple. And he was there preaching and teaching uh, to the people. Uh, and, and, of course, we know that's true today of us. We are his temple. He has authority over us. And we as his individual believers are, as Hunter pointed out last Sunday, we are uh, individually the temple of the Holy Spirit and dwelt by him. He is our high priest uh, the Lord Jesus, and of course, corporately, we are also His temple. I just find it interesting in this in this this portion of Scripture that that even when Jesus was days away from His death, what was He doing? He was preaching the gospel. He was teaching the Word of God. And just as that was priority in the ministry of the Lord Jesus, it is priority today in His church. It is priority in our lives, even as we said a couple of weeks ago concerning Paul's testimony in 1 Corinthians 9, 23, when he said, I do all things for the sake of the gospel that I may be a fellow partaker or participant of it. And, and so again, we, uh, as well as the Lord Jesus, he set the example for us that, that, te- that preaching the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, and again, teaching the word of God should be our priority as individuals and corporately as his church. So Jesus, again, demonstrates his authority, but, and he still does. But secondly, I want you to see people challenge Jesus' authority. And the second part of the verse, immediately the, these uh, uh, fellows come together there, and, and as he comes, and he names who they are, the chief priest, and of course, just to say a brief word about who these folks are, the chief priest were the, were the ruling high priest, and, uh, which was Caiaphas, and the former high, high priest, his father-in-law, Annas, who, who still had uh, a great deal of power. They also included the chief priest, the captain of the temple, then he names the scribes, which were mostly the Pharisees, uh, and uh, they were, of course, uh, the theologians of the day. The elders uh, included uh, some Sadducees, some believe some Herodians, perhaps, some, uh, as well as Pharisees and that group of men. But so a great diversity of, of leadership. Uh, again, some believe this was, in a sense, a, 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 a representatives at least from the uh, Sanhedrin because it was made up of these various groups of people, which was the ruling court, if you will, of the day that made the rules for the Jewish people. But notice again their diversity, various uh, theological ideas. The Pharisees were the, the ultra-conservatives of their day. The uh, Sadducees on the other extreme were more the liberals of their day who didn't believe in almost anything um, miraculous or supernatural. Uh, the Herodians who had ties and more d- d- commitments there to the nation of Israel and uh, the Jews. And, and, and so each of these came together. They, they were very diverse in their theology, even in their political ideology, but they were unified in one thing their hatred of Jesus and their desire that he be put to death. 
And you know, just a side note here, you know, one way that you know that which is uh, false and, and that which is even a, a cult uh, and that which is uh, man's religion and, and not true biblical truth, and that is their, their disdain of the Lord Jesus Christ. Their, if you will, diminishing of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because true biblical orthodoxy always exalts the person of Jesus, exalts him high. And so again, uh, these people were united in this desire to challenge the authority of Jesus. Uh, and we saw that even back in chapter 19, verse 47, it says he was, he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything for all the people were very attentive to hear him. So again, they come to him in their desire to ask him questions in an effort to try to trap him uh, into making claims about himself so that again, they could, uh, they could uh, accuse him as they would do of blasphemy and, and therefore also bring a call for his execution. So they ask, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who is the one who gave you this authority. These, th the, 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 these things that they're describing here certainly uh, could include the triumphal entry when uh, obviously he was making a claim about himself as he came into the city as, as the Messiah was prophesied to do, riding on the colt uh, of a donkey. And, uh, and also it would certainly include the cleansing of the temple. You know, this was again, you can imagine a, a, a major economic blow that this would have when these, uh, these guys would be run out of the temple. And as far as we know right now, they're still out. You know, Jesus demonstrated his authority as, as again, as God and as the, the, the eternal high priest to, uh, to do what he did to, to run them out of the, of the court of the Gentiles. And, and now even by his coming in, and, and, uh, and by the way, he didn't ask anybody permission to teach. He didn't go in there and say, now who's in charge of the temple? I would like to, I'd like to set up a place over here and teach. Didn't do that. Why? Because he didn't have to. He was Lord and God. He had authority to teach in his own temple. And so that's exactly what he's doing. So they're asking you, in essence, who's given you this authority? Who, uh, tell us. And even by asking this question, tell us, they were in a, a, in a sense saying, we have the authority, we're in charge here, so we order you to tell us. And so uh, who gave you the right to do what you're doing? Well, we know what they were expecting Jesus' answer to be. They were expecting him to say, my authority is from God. And then they would be able to say, gotcha, blasphemy, and, uh, and move uh, forward with their, their wicked plan to, to put to death the Son of God. So people here challenge Jesus' authority, and people today still challenge Jesus, who is God's authority. That's what, in a sense, we're going to say that's really what all sin is. And that is, again, our nature. It goes all the way back, doesn't it? It doesn't just go back to the garden. It goes back further than that. It goes all the way back to heaven uh, when Lucifer, one of the angels of God, uh, challenged the authority of God, as it's described in, in Isaiah and also Ezekiel, when he wanted to be like the Most High God. He wanted God's place. 
And he wanted to take over. And so because of his rebellion against God and the, the other angels who followed him, they were cast from heaven. Uh, now they're the devil and, the, and, and, and uh, his demons. Uh, and, and of course, he came in the form of a serpent in the garden and tempted Eve and ultimately Adam uh, to challenge once again God's authority and called God a liar. And, 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 uh, and so in, in so doing, they too uh, rebelled against God and against his authority and, of course, brought sin's curse upon all humanity and really upon all creation. And, and humans have been rebelling against God's authority ever since that day. And we see that all around us uh, in our world and it seems especially in our nation right now. Again, what is that all about? Because people do not want as uh, we saw in a couple of weeks ago, the, the parable of the minas, they do not want anyone ruling over them. And, uh, and that's exactly what we see happening here. Thirdly, we see Jesus asserts his authority. As they've asked this question, we're going to see Jesus' response, response. They tried to assert their authority as they said, tell us. And in a sense, he asserts his authority and says, no, you tell me. He turns and asks them a question. He says, well, if John the Baptist, and everyone knew who John the Baptist was, was his baptism from God or from uh, or heaven, as he uses the term here, or, or was it from man? Was it on his own authority? Well, you know, they, they heard the question and they realized uh, they were in a very precarious situation. They were between a rock and a hard place. So they said, well, we need to have a little committee meeting. Uh, kind of like our members meeting we had the other night, had a little committee meeting the other night. So they got aside and they, uh, they had a little talk and they said, you know, if, if, we, uh, if we say from God, he's going to say, then why didn't you believe him? And if we say from men, then the people are going to stone us to death because they believe that, that John the Baptist was a prophet. Uh, so they swallowed hard and said, we don't know. That was very hard for them because, again, they were the authorities. They were supposed to have all the answers, especially about God, and for them to have to acknowledge they didn't know, it certainly wasn't because of their humility. There's a lot of times when we ought to say in humility, I don't know. And it's okay to say, I don't know, but I'm going to pray about it, and I'll try to search the Scriptures and find out. But for these guys to say, we don't know, it was, of course, simply because they didn't want to be put in the situation that we just described. If they, again, if, if they had said John's authority is from God, then Jesus would have referred them to what John said in Matthew 3.11, where he said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me, Jesus, of course, is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He also said, and, and, and or we also read about him in John 1, 29, the next day he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus said of John in, in verse John 1, 34, And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. John declared not only that he was Messiah, but that he was God. He declared who he was. And so Jesus would have said to them, then why don't you, why do you not believe? If you believe his authority for baptism was from heaven, from God, why would you not believe what he said? So these men said, 
We don't know. In verse 8, we read that Jesus responded back to them. He said, well, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. In essence, Jesus is saying, you can't tell me, or obviously won't, so I won't tell you. They wouldn't acknowledge John's authority to baptize because John's whole purpose, whole purpose was pointing people to Jesus. And by the way, that's our purpose too, amen? Pointing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. John's authority was from God. And by the way, our authority is from God as well. He's authorized us to go with the gospels and make with the gospel and make disciples of all nations. So Jesus asserts his authority and he speaks his word and he spoke with authority and he still does as we share the word of God. We, uh, we have the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. But number four, people rebel against Jesus' authority. I want us to move now into this parable that Jesus uh, told there beginning in, in verse 9. He spoke this parable, and really this is a, a simple parable, but it covers a great deal of, of the history of the nation of Israel from their beginning right on up to, uh, to, the, uh, uh, to this point of, of Jesus' death in, in one brief story. Just to look at it briefly, the, the vineyard here represents the nation of Israel, God's people. The owner of the vineyard represents God. Each of the servants represent the, the prophets all the way down to John the Baptist, whom God had sent through the centuries to represent him and to proclaim his word and appoint people ultimately to the coming Messiah because Jesus would say, and he will say, we'll, we'll see later in Luke 23, that all these prophets spoke of him. They all were pointing toward him throughout their teaching and preaching. And again, they were rebelled against, as we see, uh, by the people of God. The tenant farmers here are, were the, the Jewish leaders, but also, I believe, included the people, again, who by and large, large rejected uh, the, the message that God had given for the people, mistreated them, rebelled against the God whom these prophets represented. And finally, of course, the owner, God, would send his beloved son. Who does that sound like? Jesus. Of course, it is Jesus. And he would send him and he, he said, perhaps they will respect him. But of course, they did not. They said, this is the heir. Let us kill him so that the inheritance may be ours. So they threw him out of his own vineyard, threw him out of his own vineyard and killed him. And again, that's exactly what was about to take place. So this again was prophetic uh, about what was about to take place in a very short time. They killed the king of glory. Like the men in the previous parable of whom Jesus spoke in Luke 19, 14, they were saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. Well, again, John will uh, give the words of the people to Pilate later in John 19, 15. Pilate, who was trying to avoid condemning, uh, condemning Jesus, but then verse 15 of Luke, uh, John 19, they, they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? To which they said, the chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So again, they were rebelling against his authority, rebelling against his lordship. These tenant far farmers continued to rebel against the owner as the Jews rebelled against God until they killed his 
beloved son. It appeared that, uh, again, that they had taken over, that they had retained authority that, that had been theirs. And again, that's really what their rebellion toward Jesus was all throughout his ministry, is that he didn't fit into their idea. He didn't come under their authority. He would not submit to them. And so now uh, they would be thinking and would think, okay, now we've defeated him. We've won. We've overcome. And, and we've maintained our authority. But dear friend, we know in reality... Jesus is still in charge. Jesus is Lord. And he was retaining his authority all along because everything went exactly according to his plan. They were merely pawns, if you will, on God's chessboard, fulfilling the sovereign will of God. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. And that is exactly what God was doing and, and, and how he was working in and through this situation. And that ought to bring us great comfort to know the great God that we serve, that the Lord Jesus, while people rebel against his authority, he is still in charge. He was and he is. I want you to see, finally, Jesus condemns people who rebel against his authority. We see that beginning in the second part there of verse 15. The Bible says, uh, Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them, to these who, who destroyed, who killed his son? What will he do to them? He will come and destroy those vine dressers and will give the vineyard to others. And when they heard that, they said, Certainly not. Again, Jesus concludes this parable by saying that the owner of the vineyard, who is God, is going to destroy the, the rebellious vine growers, if you will, the nation of Israel. And that judgment uh, took place historically uh, in A.D. 70, of course, when Jerusalem was destroyed. Uh, and, and a great, so God fulfilled that judgment immediately at that point. But, he, but this continues to occur spiritually and eternally upon all those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and dear friend, even there are some who, who seem to have the notion that uh, as if though there's more than one way to come to God, that you can come to God through Jesus or you can be born a Jew. No, any person who rejects the Lord Jesus Christ is condemned. That scripture is very clear and Jesus is making this very clear here. Uh, and again, in verse 16, he goes on to say not only that, but he says that he will give the vineyard to others. Uh, God's going to give the vineyard. I believe here he's speaking of the, uh, of the church, which will include Gentiles. It'll include people from every uh, tongue, tribe, and nation. Praise God. It includes us. Amen. Uh, and, and so Jesus is speaking of us here. And of course, their response was, may it never be. You're a King James. If you have a King James translation, it said, God forbid. Uh, that was a way of expressing a tremendous reaction of these Jewish leaders who were listening there. And they were, they were in essence saying, no, we're not going to lose our authority. We're not going to lose our place. We're going to maintain control. But again, they didn't have the final word, did they? Jesus did. Because who's in charge? Say it with me. Jesus is. Jesus is in charge. And again, in verse 17, the Lord Jesus went on to, to quote here. He said, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief 
cornerstone. This is a quote from Psalm 118.22. Jesus is rightly claiming to be that cornerstone, the stone which the builders rejected. And that's exactly what's happening through these Jewish people here, these leaders, and what's still happening today when people reject the Lord Jesus. He is the cornerstone which the builders re rejected. The, the, he has become the cornerstone. The, the word cornerstone literally means head of the corner. And of course, it refers to, the, to that building block, the way they, the, they did uh, in, in architecture in that day. They had that perfectly cut cornerstone around which the entire building was constructed. It had to be absolutely perfect to keep the building in line. And after Jesus' resurrection and ascension, uh, we see in Acts chapter 4, Peter declared Jesus to be this chief cornerstone. Uh, and, and again, uh, though his own would reject him, he would be the cornerstone on which the entire plan of salvation is uh, built. And he is the cornerstone. And then on in verse 18, we see a further word about this matter of condemnation. Because again, Jesus says, whoever falls on that stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Jesus is given a serious warning against everyone who stumbles over Christ in unbelief and rejection. He said they will be broken, uh, they will be broken to pieces. On the other hand, on those on whom he falls, he will be, they will be scattered like dust. Either way, the result is the same complete, total, and eternal condemnation. Jesus said in John 3, 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. So dear friend, Jesus is in charge. Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is Lord. But I want to ask you today, have you surrendered to his lordship? You see, you're either in one of two places, I believe, primarily today. You're, you're the person who has recognized that your sin, your rebellion against God and against his authority in your life has, has led to your own enslavement to sin and, and have repented of that sin and placed your faith under the, in the Lord Jesus Christ and place your life under the lordship, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ because he's in charge. He is Lord. And therefore, he, he is Lord of everything. He's not a Lord of a part of your life or just uh, your spiritual life, so to speak, but he is Lord of every part of your life. Is that, does that describe you today? And does your life look that way? Again, because he is the, the cornerstone, not only does he bring uh, that, that order to, to your life under his lordship, but again, he brings order to everything else in your life. Even though at times it may not look that way, he is Lord and he is God and he is ruling and overruling. Is that true of you? Or are you like these today who have rejected him? That you have, you have said no to him. You've said no to his lordship in your life. You're saying in a sense, I will not have this man, this one, Jesus, rule over me. Which describes you today? Is Jesus Lord? Is he in charge of your life today? I challenge you today, if you've not repented of your sin to pl and placed your faith in Christ and surrendered your life to Jesus, I, I want to again warn you as Jesus has warned us here, that to say no to him and to say to no to his lordship in your life 
is to, again, place yourself under condemnation, under God's condemnation. And to remain that way is, is you're condemned already. And the Bible says the one who, that we think of as sometimes the gentle Jesus, meek and mild, the Bible says he who is the cornerstone will, will again condemn you and will, will crush you for in, in eternal separation from him forever. But, that, but, he, but he desires that you come to him today in repentance and faith, surrendering to his lordship. I want you to think with me as we conclude this service about several aspects of this matter of, of Jesus' authority in our lives. And I want to call your attention to several uh, things to think about in relation to this. I'm calling it taking it home because, again, how, do, how does this apply to where we are right now? And I want to challenge you with several things that it relates to. The first thing I want you to recognize today as we've tried to bring out in this message that, is that all authority belongs to God. All authority belongs to God. And when I say all authority, I mean all authority. That means, yes, and certainly it means that in the church, and certainly it means that as it relates to spiritual matters and, and life as a believer. But it relates to this world. It's true in, in our government. God God's, has all authority. And, and even those in government, we, we know God is under their authority. All authority belongs to God. Secondly, all sin is rebellion against God's authority. That's really what it boils down to. Sin is rebellion against God's authority. Thirdly, all authority given to us is a stewardship for which we must give an account to God. You see, every person who's been given authority, whether, again, it's in, in uh, the government, whether it's in the church, whether it's in the job place, uh, again, and, and uh, as believers, the Bible says uh, that we're given account for what we do. We've been given the authority to take the gospel. We're going to give an account for that. Pastors are given the responsibility of leading the church, and the Bible says we're going to give an account for the souls of those we are privileged to pastor and to serve and, and for whom we uh, have authority. Uh, we're going to give an account for that. So think about that today. Number four, even when it seems everything is out of control, God is still in control. Boy, that's so important. And we live in a day when we, uh, when we wonder what's going to happen next, don't we? Uh, and, and we wonder about all the things going on in the world. We wonder about all the things going on in our church. But I want to give you a word. I hope it will be an encouraging word to you. Even when it seems everything is out of control, God is still in control. Number five, God grants authority as a means of serving, and thus we must use our authority in the spirit of servanthood. Who had all authority? What's his, who has all authority? Jesus does. Jesus has all authority. And yet what did Jesus say he came to do? He came to serve. He came to serve. He demonstrated that. Even as he gave his life, the Bible says, he became a servant. As he was dying on that cross and giving his life for us, he was doing so as a servant. And so, dear friend, when God gives authority, he does it as a means to serve, not as a means to lord it over. Uh, he does it in a spirit of, of servanthood. Keep that in mind as well. As parents, your servants. As husbands, you're servants of your wife and your children. You're servants. Have a spirit of servitude. On your job, you're a servant. You may be the boss, but you're a servant. That's what God desires for us as well. Number six, if you refuse to submit to Jesus' lordship, you will remain a slave to sin and under eternal condemnation. 
There are those who think, oh, you know, if I, I don't want Jesus' lordship. I want to be my own boss. No, dear friend, when you choose to reject the Lord Jesus, when you are not willing to submit to his lordship, you are choosing to be a slave of sin instead. So you see, you're then under the authority of sin and the under the authority in a sense of Satan if you reject the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're still under condemnation and will remain separated from God for eternity. And so again, when you, when you reject his authority, that's the result. Number seven, Jesus has granted us his authority to go into all the world and to make disciples. We not only go uh, under his authority, we go with his authority to proclaim the gospel to all nations. And finally, number eight, even being a member of the local church means submitting to one another in the glory of God. That's what it is. That's what people say. What does it really mean? Well, we're, we're submitting to the Lord. We're submitting to one another in the body of Christ. It's a matter of submission, something that we've, again, lost our understanding of. But that's what it's all about, and that's where joy and that's where victory comes from, is getting under his authority. And one other word I don't have there is submission under God's authority is, as I heard said many years ago, is, is being under God's umbrella of protection. God has this system of, of authority for us as his children so that he can put us in a place where he can protect us as his church and as his children. This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used his word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can as you turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ Jesus, his death for you on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions, or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623 or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.